This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and today we are blessed. We have Phil Pelto. He's the founder and chief connection officer of Firestorm in Denver, Colorado. Phil, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Phil and I have history. We've had breakfast together, and we've talked about his networking efforts. He's an awesome networker and has built quite the business. So, Phil, if you would, tell us about your business and who you serve. Yeah, Absolutely. Firestorm is a business-to-business networking organization, so we organize events and meetings for business people to meet and build relationships and share referrals, and you know the whole idea is to help people grow their business through relationships, strategic partnerships, and referrals. The people that we serve are typically business owners that are still actively involved in the biz dev, so I would say zero to $3 million in revenue, where they're getting out and trying to grow their top-line sales. We also have a pretty good contingent of salespeople that work for larger organizations. So, you know, the Comcasts and CenturyLinks of the world, but are also going after business owners. So the one thing both of those folks have in common is they are serving clients that are between, I would say, $1 to $50 million in revenue. We have all sorts of different industries. So there's people that are doing the podcasting and phone systems, and there's people that are doing digital marketing and websites and attorneys and CPAs and all that sort of stuff. So that's kind of our target market. And again, the goal is to help people grow their business. So I was looking at your website and you have mm-hmm. a lot of these groups up and down the front range. Yep. So can you describe the nature and the structure of each one of those separate units? Yeah. So the nice thing about our organization is each one of those groups kind of takes on its own flavor, depending on who the core group of people is. So what we'll do is we'll get a leader that has a business that it would behoove them to do this anyway. And so they would be out there looking for a group on their own and they just decide that they want to run it because we have some good support structure in place for that. But they will kind of choose who they want to start the group with and they get to be a little bit selfish about it since it's their group. And so they'll say, you're in the exit planning and financial services business. And so you would say, who are really good partners for me? And we'd kind of map out some good strategic partners. And that would be sort of the core group of people that we'd look for. And then it sort of expands from there. So depending on who the first person is, that'll depend on the way the group grows and the makeup of the group going forward. So it's interesting. You can visit a chapter in Longmont and visit a chapter in Lone Tree, and they're very different makeups depending on who it was that started it. So we're going to pretend. Yeah. I'm, I'm down in Colorado Springs. Yep. I want to open my chapter. Yeah. Right. So you mentioned, let's go through the mechanics. You sure. Know, support level, expenses, and that kind of thing. We've been doing this for 13 years now. So over the years, I've been keeping notes and making manuals and becoming more sophisticated. Now we're at the point where we have an online learning management system that we use. So I've created curriculum for the chapter president and for the chapter leaders and for the members, and they're all separate things. So one of the benefits of starting a Firestorm chapter versus doing it on your own, which I think a lot of people are totally capable of, and I would highly recommend doing it, and whether it's on your own or going with somebody like us, the end result should be the same. You're going to grow your business with referrals and strategic partnerships. I just have taken a lot of the headache out of that off the table for you. So we've got a lot of support. We've got kind of a process for how to get things going, how to structure the group, how to support the group, how to add content, add value to each meeting. There's a framework and structure to the meeting. So as far as a cost goes, at some point in time, we will probably start charging. But right now, if you're the group leader, we don't have any sort of initiation costs or setup fees 
it won't stay that way forever. But right now, I'm a lot more interested in getting the right people and making sure that process goes smooth. There's an incentive to be a leader because there's not a cost associated with it. But after that, we provide a lot of support and want to make it as easy as possible for the chapter president to grow the group. And if you wanted to start something in Colorado Springs, for instance, I would make a plan with you and say, okay, here's step one through 10 and kind of have a timeline to go along with that and try and provide as much support through the process as I can. So, you know, in typical group, is there a typical quantity of people that are in each one of these groups? Yeah, we actually cap them at 24. So it's a smaller group than I think some people are used to. I'm much more interested in quality over quantity. And that's kind of one of the themes in our business, both with the number of people in the groups and the number of referrals that get passed around. I'm much more interested in one deal that's going to turn into something and be beneficial for my business than a pile full of so-so introductions. And there's a fair quantity of networking groups around. What makes Firestorm distinctive from many of the other networking groups? The biggest differentiator for us is... We're really focused on that business-to-business market. Most of the other organizations that are out there are sort of a combo of business-to-business and business-to-consumer, so they will accept any member, which is great. And if you're in a business-to-consumer role, there's a lot of options out there for you. But for the person that's selling to another business, it's a more complex sale. It's a longer sales cycle. There's other sort of nuances to that whole process and the way that you build a partnership with someone and the product that you're selling and the whole decision-making process. And so for the business-to-business salesperson, it doesn't really make sense for them to be in a group full of people that are selling, say, Cutco knives, you know, and I'll pick on those guys because I, you know, I have some history with them or guys selling suits, which I also did. In those roles, I wasn't necessarily able to help somebody that's a management consultant or going after a larger, more complex sale. How frequently do the groups meet? The groups meet weekly. And I know a lot of people's eyes just rolled back in their head. And it's a big time commitment, but there's a method to the madness. And when we ask for that weekly commitment, part of that has to do with staying top of mind. You know, if you look at how adults learn, whether it be in college or continuing ed or whatever. I mean, the reality is we forget half of the stuff that we hear 24 hours from now and another half 24 hours after that. There's a fairly short half-life on information. When we're trying to build a relationship with somebody that I want to help their business or I want them to help my business, you need to stay top of mind with that person. And if you do a monthly meeting or you do a meeting every couple of weeks, If I miss one of those, I go four weeks, maybe eight weeks before I see that person again and just completely forget most of the information that I've heard the last time I saw them. So that's one of the main reasons that we do the weekly meetings is to stay top of mind with people. And plus, it's nice to just get in a routine, have it in the calendar. It's a set appointment and it's like going to the dentist. I don't really think about it. They just send me the reminder card. It's on the calendar. And (laughs) I guess a couple of things. So the typical length of the meeting? It's an uh, hour and 15 minutes. We're okay. trying to keep that pretty. Is there a typical structure within the meeting? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got an agenda that doesn't change. It's the same agenda. There's certain things that happen during the meeting to help facilitate the relationship building process with people and to stay top of mind and to make sure that we're reminded of things that can help each other out. If you run through the meeting agenda, you all do a quick intro, you know, hey, I'm Phil, remind everybody what we do. And at some point, I think people they'll think to themselves, oh gosh, why are we doing this? 
I know Bob. Mm-hmm. I know who you. I know what you do. You think, oh, we should maybe just skip that. And then it's kind of fun to mess around with people if they say something like that and say, like, okay, really, you know, Bob. All right, you're going to do the introduction for the person to your left. <laughs> See how they mess it up. It's always a fun exercise because we realize you just kind of get in the zone and you're like, okay, yeah, that's that's Bob, that's Phil, that's Susie, and you don't really listen to what they're saying. And you hear it, but you couldn't. You can't tell uh, it to a potential prospect. Yeah. And then there's some chapter business type stuff, you know, things that are going on. We talk about events. We try and vet other events that are going on around town and report back to our member base and say, these are really good. You should check these out. These are ones that are so-so and then stay away from those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't really talk about the, you know, stay away from, but we want to highlight the good ones. And then we highlight one member for the week. They get a chance to talk. There's actually uh, some curriculum around which presentation they're going to give, kind of like Toastmasters, mm-hmm. different content, but the same idea where you have a presentation number one and you talk about this, presentation number two and talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then we do something called referral mapping. And that's where we go through and really dive in deep for the person that's featured for that week and really help them brainstorm and identify. And, and it also helps the group here and remember who's their ideal client, who are good strategic partners for them. And then what are things that we could ask our clients or what are things that we're going to hear when we're out doing the course of business for our jobs? What do we hear that says, oh, that's a great referral for Bob, or I should make an introduction to this person. So we'll go through that. And then we do targeted referral requests, which my wife and I just did a quick video on in the car. But the targeted referral requests is a challenging thing for a lot of people, I think, because we ask people to bring specific names of people that they want to be introduced to. And that means that you have to do some homework and come prepared with a list. But what it does is, A, it forces you to do it, which I think is the best part of the exercise and the most valuable. And then the second part is when you say it to somebody else, we kind of zero in on things. And I talked about a little bit in the, the video about the reticular activating system. And it makes you focus on one particular person, one particular name. And whether you know that person or not, your brain starts to think about how can I connect the dots? How can I find that person or find a way to get to that person, which is kind of fascinating. Back to pretending. So I'm running my group and you and I are in it, right? Yeah. And we've got somebody that's caught wind or whatever of us and they go, I want to join your group. What's the process? The first thing is to have them visit. We always want people to visit a couple of times for free. I don't want there to be a huge barrier to entry at that point, but we're paying attention to that person, how they conduct themselves. Are they a good business person? Are they coming with the right intentions? Are they there to serve others or are they there to just take for themselves? What do they do? Are they a good fit for the group? And what kind of network are they going to bring to the table? What's their background? And there's all sorts of things that we're kind of keeping our eyes peeled for. And I would expect them to do the same. Are we as an organization, as a group, a good fit for what they're trying to accomplish? Because at the end of the day, I'm trying to help people build long-term relationships. This isn't a quick hit, come in, sell everybody at the group and leave or get fresh meat in so I can sell them and then kick them out the door. That's not what we're all about. I'm trying to build long-term strategic partnerships. And I would love to see people be in the same group for a decade or two decades or more. There's actually a really interesting article. The Wall Street Journal put it out maybe 2010 or 11, something around there. And it was a group called the Wednesday 10 in New York. 
these guys, I mean, they've been meeting for 50 years. And yeah, their kids and their grandkids. Yep. Absolutely. That's kind of what I want to create just on a larger scale. And I think about that process. And you have some plans because you have chapters all up and down the front range. Yep. You just had a chapter start in another town. So for the folks that are listening going, this sounds really interesting. Yeah. I'd like to do one in my town. What do they do? First step, contact me. You can go to the website. The website is myfirestorm.com. That's the easiest way. You can shoot me an email, phil at myfirestorm.com. Once the person visits, we sit down and have a conversation. And then there's an application that they fill out and we kind of interview them. And there's a little bit of a process to get in because, again, we want to make sure it's a good fit. But similar process for opening a chapter. I want to make sure that it's the right fit for us and the right fit for the person that's going to run the chapter. Not everybody's a good fit and we're not a good fit for everybody. So that goes both ways. But we've got some sort of preliminary information that you can check out and kind of what's expected and how the whole process goes for starting a chapter. And then there's our chapter president's agreement on the website. So everybody can look that over before they decide they want to go any further. And But if it is a good fit and we decide that we want to do that, then there's, again, an application process. And then we would have a conversation and kind of start the planning process for that group. I think from start to finish to get a chapter from nothing to first meeting, it's probably a couple of months to mm-hmm. do that. And then after that, from the first meeting to thriving chapter, I would say it takes, you know, a year to 18 months to get mm-hmm. it really up and running. And we're playing the long game. And you got to have that long-term focus and you've got to have the wherewithal mentally with your business to really not need to get immediate deals out of it. Because I'm not selling the get rich quick scheme and, hey, come to me and we're going to grow your business 30% next month. That's not our jam. I've got some people I could refer you to those. (laughs) (laughs) I noticed I was on your site and you do video vignettes. Tell us about about you as a TV star. You're right. You and your your wife. Yeah, that's a little bit of a stretch, but uh, (laughs) I... We do these member of the week videos kind of like this. I like to highlight our members and chat with them. They're really short. They're five minutes long. Just a quick little snippet of information on one of the members. So we do that every week. And then we also have some education videos that we do. Part of my goal is to just help people become better networkers and help people be better at building relationships and understand that whole process. We put out some content about that. It might come back by popular demand. I keep getting asked. We did this Firestorm Fridays thing. There's always a fireplace or a, an open fire or something around in the background. So just little fun chats around that. So there's quite a variety of videos that we do. I was just intrigued because it's you and or your wife. Yeah, yeah, doing yeah. The interview. What's been the reaction of your guests to be interviewed by you guys? I think they enjoy the interaction and a lot of them have used the content to post on their LinkedIn pages and profiles or to put in on their website or use as, you know, a little marketing piece, but everybody likes it and it's super short and kind of fun. And at least that's what I hope it is. And we've only had one person get a little bit nervous and (laughs) I cannot confirm or deny, but there may have been tequila shots had before. (laughs) So... Back to the firestorm issue. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, shifting gears a little bit, some of the stuff that folks want to know, perhaps a recent book or an influential book that's altered your perception or contributed to your perception on uh, being a business owner or CEO. Man, there are a ton of good books out there, but a couple that I've finished recently that I think are just fresh in my mind that are really good. One is Tribes by Seth Godin. 
And I think it's particularly poignant for my business just because that's kind of what we're doing is building these tribes. And I'm building a tribe. I'm helping other people build tribes. And I really enjoy the face-to-face interactions with people. And that was a good book. And then Ryan Holiday, he has The Obstacle is the Way and Ego is the Enemy. And both of those were really good books and short reads, which is good for me because I have a short attention span. So, <laughs> Looking back over your time, whether it was in the apparel industry or uh-huh. Cutco or Firestorm, maybe a failure or maybe something wasn't quite as successful that's happened to you that served you going forward and made you the success that you are now. Yeah. There's this story that I always like to tell that was a particularly painful lesson at the time. I was 22, I think. I was running my Cutco office in northern Minnesota. For anybody that's listening that knows where Duluth is, it's right on Lake Superior. Beautiful place. It's a small town, though. Great place to run a Cutco office because you recruit high school seniors and college freshmen. But I decided one year that things were going well. And if you lived within an hour radius from Duluth, you were going to know about Cutco. And you were going to know who I was. And you were either going to work for me or tell me that you didn't want to work for me, but you weren't going to not know about me. (laughs) So (laughs) we had a hefty marketing plan. And back in the day, this was 2002, I want to say, the tried and true ways to recruit people were direct mail. And we did flyers on people's cars, little post-note stickers. And then we did signs. Those were the three things that we were supposed to, oh, and newspaper ads. Those were the ways to go. And they were not that expensive. The direct mail was the most expensive and still wasn't really that bad. But I decided that I was going to get creative because I'm a creative cutting edge guy. I wanted to be on radio, TV, and the movie theater ads because where do high school seniors and college freshmen hang out? They go to the movies, right? So I was on the radio, I was on TV, and I was on every movie that you saw before the movie, there was a 60-second commercial. Mm. And I think I spent $80,000 in about six weeks. And I had four full-time receptionists to answer the phone. And at the end of the summer, I looked back on our numbers. We had our best summer ever. It's crazy, you know, amount of phone calls. And of all the electronic media the radio, TV, and movie theater ads, we took three calls the entire summer. (laughs) (laughs) ROI was a little thin. It was terrible. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, I complained to my dad one time, and I don't think he exactly knew what to say, but he said, well, that's tuition in the school of life. (laughs) And I was like, ah, fair point, fair point. (laughs) You know, thinking about your company message, if you could put an ad on the front page of the local business journal, What would it say and why? Our tagline is forging B2B relationships. And I think I would go with something short like that because people's attention spans are short. We're really all about the relationship building. And that's what I want to promote both in our business and professionally and personally as well. I think there's a lot of research and maybe it's just because this is what I'm interested in. I start to find these things my reticular activating system is working for relationship-oriented stuff. And I'm sure all the Google algorithms are pointing me towards these things. But anyway, there's a lot of stuff that I've been seeing that just talks about how important relationships and personal connection is to longevity and living a long life and a happy life and people feeling fulfilled. And that's the stuff that's really important to me. And I think that 
it helps your business and helps you be more successful and enjoy that success more. So that's really what we're all about is, is building those relationships. So I think that'd probably be it. That'd be the ad. Yeah. Best allocation of either time or initiative that's helped Firestorm the most. We do a lot of different things and I like to do these videos. I like to create content, write articles. I like to go out and do speaking events and get our name out there. And I like to talk to anybody that'll listen and go on podcasts and all that stuff. But honestly, the best allocation of time is spending time with other members one-on-one. And I did a survey, I guess. I sat down and interviewed all of our members and asked them, how did they hear about us? And how's it been going? And what are things that we could do better? But the pertinent piece of that for your question is, everybody heard about us from somebody else. And I guess that's not surprising based on the business that we're in. But I really think the biggest bang for our buck is going out and talking with people and really getting them to be evangelists for better, for lack of a better word, for what we're doing. Unusual habit or what others may consider out of the ordinary that's helped your company the most. <laughs> that's helped our company. I, you know, the crazy thing that I do, I'm a ultra runner. So the longest one I've done so far is a 50 mile race. I've done a couple of those in the mountains. I did the silver rush 50 miler, which is up in Leadville. So you start at 10,000 feet and then the whole thing is above 10,000 feet. I think that it's a little insane, but I'm fully addicted now. I would say that that helps our business because I get a lot of thinking time in when, you know, when you're out in the woods by yourself running for 12 hours it gives me a chance to clear my head. And also I think there's a lot of benefit to be had in just staying physically fit when you're running the business. It helps you keep mentally sharp and keep on top of things. That's definitely one of the more crazy things that I do that other people just kind of roll their eyes about. So, <laughs> You know, over the past few years, what belief or protocol have you established in the company that's most impacted the success of the company? I believe that everybody can be successful if they want to be. And I believe that about myself. I'm capable of doing anything. And I honestly believe that about anybody else, you know, now, whether or not they want to or whether they're going to put in the work to do it, you know, that's a different story. But everybody's capable of doing it. Part of that belief leads me to be perseverant. There's a great quote, and he talks about patience, persistence, and perspiration. Those three things, you can accomplish anything. I definitely am persistent, and I think that's what caused me to be successful at all my other sales gigs, and it's the only thing that's you know helped us survive for the last 13 years with Firestorm. So I like to preach that message across the organization, and I think that other people will buy into that. And if they do buy into that, if they believe that patience, persistence, and perspiration is the way to be successful, and that's a good thing, then they'll stick around and we sort of perpetuate that message. So, Well, it's better than saying you have to have a magic wand because not everybody has a magic wand. Right, yeah. You know, or a specific <laughs> skill set. Mm -hmm. Advice you might offer to a new CEO that's assuming the role for the first time. It's never as easy as you think it's gonna be, and it's never as sexy either. Get around other people. I think there's this perception that you're on an island. It's like it's lonely at the top. And that is only true if you make it true or you want it to be true. There's so many other people out there that are in the same situation. And I love hanging out with other business owners and other CEOs and other people that are getting it done because I spend a lot of time in my own head. 
running in the woods for 12 hours <laughs> or, or sitting at my desk, you know, banging out emails and, you know, you start to second guess yourself and think that everybody else knows something more, or knows something different or is doing a better job. It's not easy to talk about it with other people because you're supposed to know everything because you're the guy running the show or the gal running the show. You're supposed to know all the answers and that's just not the case. So I think it's good to be around other business owners and other people that have the same weight on their shoulders and you can find yourself a support group. (laughs) (laughs) Most common misconceptions about your role as chief connection officer. Common misconceptions are that it's just easy and you sit around and you drink beer with people and you go out and you socialize and you have lunch and it's all happy-go-lucky stuff and there's really no effort that goes into it, no rhyme or reason. And, just go you know, to the mailbox, pick up the check. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nothing to it. Or that somebody has a, you know, like, oh, you're just built for that or you, you were born that way. There's an, You've got a knack for that. No, there's skill. You got to study. You got to like hone your craft. So Lifelong learner. <laughs> Over the past few years, what would or should you have said no to and why? I should have said no to a job. I took it because it sounded cool and it sounded like there was a lot of potential. And I realized that I'm kind of unemployable. (laughs) Like I just don't have the mindset to be a good worker. That doesn't mean that I'm lazy by any stretch or I don't want to be successful, but I need to do things on my terms and should have said no to that. You know, in the day-to-day operation of your company, in the role of CEO, what's your personal habit or self-talk dialogue that keeps you focused? They say like 80% of your self-talk or 90% of your self-talk is negative. So I think just keeping that in check is a big challenge. But I have a sort of a personal mission statement and I love positive affirmations. And it's funny because... I think a lot of people, including myself at certain times, have thought it's total garbage. Like, why would you do that? It's not like the Stuart Smalley said, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. That's, you know, (laughs) it's kind of like that, but there's more to it than that. You've got to change your habits and your behaviors, and then you can change your thinking and changes your outcome. And you've kind of got to trick your head into doing certain things. And so anyway, to answer your question, I want to be a positive impact on everybody I come in contact with and help as many people as I can. That's my personal mission in life. There's a little card that I carry around with me and it says that. And then I have another sort of paragraph of things. But one of the things that stands out is to talk only progress, talk only prosperity and talk only positivity. Those are the things that I refer back to if I'm not in a good spot. It sounds simple. And, you know, you pay attention to the media, the 24-7 stuff over the internet, and you go, it's a concerted decision to stay on that lane. Yeah, it really is. I mean, because it's so easy to get pulled off and to think that things are not going well or that whatever. I mean, there's so many external things that are getting thrown at you that are not positive. And it's a challenge to stay on the path. Quote that you find meaningful or you use frequently? I've got a couple. I'm kind of a big quote fiend. One I think that is very pertinent to our business is a Zig Ziglar quote. He says, you can have anything in life that you want if you first help enough other people get what they want. And I try to practice that. I try to teach other people how to do that. It's tough. It's It's tough. It's the long game. It's the long game. It really is. And it's really, it's hard to stay true to that, especially when 
maybe you are getting to a point where you feel like, man, I've been doing all this stuff for other people. And when am I going to get mine? Especially if it's been years. You feel like a sponge. They yeah. squeezed everything out of me they can get. Yeah. And I don't know that I'm right. I hope that I'm right. And I hope that Zig was right, but I'm never going to change. So I'm just going to keep helping other people. And at some point, I don't expect to be Jeff Bezos rich, but it's, uh, I feel pretty good about the things that I've done for other people in my life and and will continue to do. So yeah. You're here to serve. Absolutely. If I was to talk to your colleagues and ask them what you're best at, what would they say and how do you utilize it on a day-to-day basis? I think other people would say that I am really good at building rapport with people and being a social chameleon, which I think kind of go hand in hand. That's served me very well over the course of my life. I grew up pretty poor. I didn't interact with people that had any sort of pedigree. So when I got my job selling knives, I had to get referred outside of my warm market because my warm market couldn't afford what I was selling. Mm -hmm. And then even more so when I got the job selling suits, I was selling suits that were thousands of dollars each. I didn't spend a thousand dollars on my first car. (laughs) And so it made me get out of my comfort zone and talk to people that I wasn't comfortable talking to. And you know what I realized? People are just people, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter what socioeconomic background they have or where they're at right now in life. I mean, people, you know, they put their pants on one leg at a time. They have the same habits and thoughts and sense of humor and stuff. It's just some of them make different choices and decide to work harder or take risks and That was always fascinating to me. So I tend to be able to build relationships pretty quickly with people. And I think that's been pretty cool. You know, I failed to ask. There was a point where you decided to leave home. Yeah. And come to Denver. Yep. And somewhere start Firestorm. Take us to that thought process on why you decided to start Firestorm. I have to credit, I think, a couple of my friends' parents, as well as a number of teachers with sort of introducing me to some different ideas about what was possible. At some point, I think I was maybe second grade or third grade, where I got this entrepreneurial bug and I started selling fireworks on the playground. Like if you needed stink bombs or smoke grenades or something, like I was the guy to see. I'm not really sure where that came from. And then it turned into becoming more interested in business type things. And when I was in high school, I read uh, a couple of books and I actually bought Carlton Sheets real estate course, you know, (laughs) like CD set and everything when I was 16. I really kind of got interested in that and was going down that path where I'm like, I'm going to own my own business someday. That really seems like the path for me. And then life happens and you get pulled down these other roads and you see dollar signs. And for me, that was a new experience. I didn't have money. And then I got a job selling Cutco and I was like, oh my God, I can make it ton of money doing this. I started doing other sales jobs and I abandoned the entrepreneurial path for a little while. Although, you know, that was kind of entrepreneurial. You know, I had independent contractor doing my own thing, but you know, it wasn't my business. I was a rep for Cutco. Mm -hmm. I had started Firestorm with my buddy, Chris, and we really did it in the beginning to control our prospecting. You know, he owned a title company at the time and I was selling suits. We just did it to have control over that, that process. And we weren't really happy with the other options that were out there. 
And I got out of the suit business in 09 and I was kind of figuring out what was next. What do I do? Do I go find another sales job? And March of 09 was not the best time to be looking for anything because the market had just gotten crushed and everybody was still reeling from that. I was like, well, I've got a little bit of a cushion that I had from selling for the last number of years. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. So I ran through a lot of, I'm kind of an analytical person. Mm -hmm. So I ran through a lot of ideas and ran the business model out and thought, is this the right choice to make? Or I'm just going to, you know, am I going to throw my money down the drain? I decided to get after it. It really was a good fit with what I wanted to do personally and get out of my work. I'd gone back to college because I didn't finish when I was younger. I was making too much money for that. You know, I was like, couldn't be bothered with college. And I took a class because I went to a liberal arts college, the Lutheran University, Augsburg. I took a class about vocation and matching up your job and your financial career, your profession with what you're meant to do. That was about the time I took that class that I decided Firestorm was the thing for me. I just think it's interesting when people decide and they decide to go down a particular path yeah. and to explore the thought process. What brought you there? What kind mm -hmm. of homework did you do? What was your background? Yeah. And I think people that say, I always want to own my business have no idea. There's a lot of that. Yeah. And both good and bad though. I mean, you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I got this great idea. You know, mm -hmm. keep a pen and paper next to your uh, mm -hmm. bed. But there's also a lot of other things that keep you up at night, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. I understand. <laughs> well, well, Phil, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking time to be on the show. Yeah, and, thanks for having uh, me. Thanks for sharing. Absolutely. You bet. Take care. You too.